ever wish someone would cook and clean for you? I sure do. We offer you the OFS Concierge Service. Order food from Jesse A. Laurent or have your house clean by Housekeeping Delphine. These services are here to help the OFS community make your life easier. Remember, a portion of every food order and housekeeping service is given back to your child's teacher. See our website for more information and click on the concierge button. Thank you. Hi, welcome to Fireside Chats on the Young Mind. Today, I get to be your host. This is Alexandra Dutton. I'm the program director at OFS Lafayette, and I am joined by two of our very gifted teachers, Catherine Peck, who is a teacher in Mill Valley and has been there for four years, and Mylise Troy, who has been at OFS Lafayette for 18 years. And they're going to share with us their experiences and their insights on mindfulness. Now, mindfulness, I know, is kind of a buzzword that's been going around for a while, but actually OFS has been studying mindfulness and practicing mindfulness for over a decade, longer than that. If you guys could share with us what mindfulness is and a little bit of why it's important. Yeah, so mindfulness originated from the Eastern practice, but it was brought to the West by uh, somebody called John Kabat-Zinn. And he started a program in the 70s called MBSR, which means Mindfulness based stress reduction program. And he started to put people through a program who had chronic pain and people were noticing feeling better, less pain, more having overall a, a, a better sense of well-being. They were less anxious. And over the decades, the, some program of mindfulness have been used in secular ways where people with PTSD, people with eating disorder, and more recently with kids. And there's this new movement that has been around for about two decades with kids and uh, mindfulness in education. And it's very, very exciting. So mindfulness is, this is a John Kabat-Zinn definition, it's paying attention on purpose in the present moment without judgment. And all those components are really important. It's really trying to pay attention to what's going on. And so if you want a, a more kids-friendly definition, it's paying attention to what you're doing when you're doing it, basically. So you can pay attention to uh, what you see, what you hear, to your thoughts, your emotion, to your bodily sensation. You can really pay attention. Yeah, your taste, things that you eat. There's, you know, you might have heard of mindful eating. So mindfulness does not mean sitting down on a cushion and doing meditation. Meditation is a kind of mindfulness, but you can do mindful movements, mindful eating, uh, mindfulness of breath, uh, mindful listening, mindful eat, mindful seeing. There's many, many different ways that you can be mindful. Can you talk a little bit about I mean, all of this sounds really wonderful, and I think all of us understand that being mindful is probably very important. But why is it important specifically for children? Well, I think it sets them up for the foundation for the future. As Melissa, was, we were talking earlier, and you mentioned it sets them up for for their future education, but just so that they can practice focusing now, and it comes in little spurt from the two-year-olds that might be 20 to 40 seconds where let's all just stop and listen to all the sounds that we hear right now or can you anybody hear my crunch and everyone stops and just listens to the crunch of the carrot i think that later on when they go to elementary school we keep telling kids pay attention pay attention but we don't really teach them how to pay attention a lot of times there's so much demand academically and especially in the digital age things are going fast and fast and we don't really teach them to slow down and pay attention to what's going on inside. 
I think if we can teach them that skill to stop and listen to their body and their feelings, and then they're more likely to be able to learn the skill to you know, regulate their emotion or stop their impulses mm-hmm. or be kind to themselves. Because remember, the big part of mindfulness is to be not judgmental. So this, this idea of heartfulness, of compassion to self and others is really, really important. The research says that between the age of four and 17, more than 50% of the kids in the U.S. will have some kind of serious mental health. And I think that schools are really not trained to deal with those kinds of problems. And rather than send those kids later on to psychologists, if we can just from the very, very young age, age two and three, teach them the skills to be able to stop and stop their impulses is just really, really important. And research is showing that. I think one of the ways that we can identify a mindful child is through their actions and their behaviors. If there's two children on the um, playground and Joey takes Tommy's truck and Tommy is a mindful child, he will stop and instead of reacting he'll have more of a response so he'll be able to take that moment between the stimulus and decide oh I'm really angry do I want to voice my anger or do I want to hit and then he'll go from there and respond rather than react and say you know I'm really angry you took my shovel or um, go find a teacher or yeah. you know choose something it's, it, I think it's also important to say that we can't expect young twos mm-hmm. and even three year old to have these kind of behavior correct um, yeah. but it takes many years you know maybe a five year old might, might have this kind of response mm-hmm. but if we plant the seed and it seeds and if we practice mindfulness maybe a minute a day or two minutes a day with mm-hmm. two-year-old yeah. eventually they will they will develop those skills to be able to kind of the introspection and realize mm, i'm feeling angry i can yeah. see my fists are clenching and my teeth because i think it's important also as an adult to label what's going on so that okay. they can recognize those signs of anger or frustration or or being scared. Oh, I can yeah. see your fists are going like that and mm-hmm. you're breathing really heavily. You're getting angry. And then they'll recognize later on, they'll be able to recognize those signs too. So we don't, you know, we don't necessarily say doing mindfulness is going to turn your angry child into a very happy, no. well-behaved yeah. child. It's not going <laughs> to happen. Would be nice. it would be yeah. really nice, right? <laughs> I think we have to have, you know, realistic expectation. You're not going to have like a very calm classroom all of a sudden because you've been practicing mindfulness for a week right. and a child who is a hyper child who has a lot of energy will have lots of energy no matter yeah. what. But I think it's it's important to do it little at a time and to imagine what it's going to look like when this child is 12, 15, and 20. And I think that's the key is too, is like envision it. Like yeah. envision what is the end result. And by doing that, then we can have a goal and, and be mindful ourselves in, in our language that we use with children. You know, if I'm feeling really tired and I just feel sluggish, like identifying that for mm-hmm. the children wow teacher Catherine is feeling really tired today maybe I need to go eat some food or drink some water you know and identifying it for them we can kind of become Mm -hmm. the role model at that point exactly that brings up actually an interesting point that I was thinking about is you're asking the children to be attuned to their own feelings and their internal workings a lot of adults aren't always mm-hmm. like yeah. that. That's you true. Know? Sometimes That's we true. just go through the yeah. motions and it isn't until the end of the day that prime example of my husband, well, he'll realize, oh, it's four o'clock. I haven't eaten anything. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously a lot of, you know, what he has, has or has not eaten has probably affected mm-hmm. his mood and how yeah. well he's been right. able to work as the day has gone on. So adults obviously also need a lot of help in yeah, this regard. Yeah, I think this is why mindfulness is 
as important for children as it is for adults. You know, we're always constantly directing our attention outward, you know, paying attention to the classroom and and we cannot teach effectively and with compassion if we are not mindful. Yeah. And that's really, really important. We work on autopilot what uh, Daniel Siegel told autopilot where we do things mechanically yeah. without realizing what we're doing. And sometimes when we notice that we're getting frustrating, it's too late. If we yell at the kids, they're going to be defiant or they're going to be fearful, they're going to be angry, but this is not mm-hmm. the way that to teach. So it's important for the adults to practice mindfulness Absolutely. in addition to helping the children develop these skills. Yes. Like you said, this is not sitting on a couch and being no. in a Zen moment for right. an hour or right. on a pillow. <laughs> what are some ways that teachers or adults have to be mindful or can start being mindful? Well, uh, for me, um, I, I started mindfulness with, uh, I went on a retreat. Uh, it was called Mindfulness in Education and it was just I was amazed and I said, I want to hear more about it. I want to practice more. So then I took a class with mindful schools in Oakland. And now I don't have, I, you know, I don't sit down on a cushion for an hour a day. But what I do is take a little moment throughout the day. I try it when I drive. Sometimes I try to drive mindfully from school and, ho- you know, home. And I, I guarantee this is not easy trying to be mindful when you drive and pay attention to what's going on on the road and not think about what am I going to make for dinner and, Oh, you know yeah. what happened yeah. yesterday yeah. it's it's a it's not easy or so being really present yeah being very present yeah, that's what it is present in the moment and um, when I go on my lunch break I still like to go to the cafe and have a cafe a coffee but I try to keep about 10 minutes extra to just sit down outside when it's a beautiful day or go in the back room or stay in my classroom and just take a deep breath and not have to think because mindfulness is not about doing it's more about being it's mm-hmm. more about a way of being that is present yeah. paying attention to how your body feels mm-hmm. i know it's kind of kind of it sounds like you know but it's really a simple simple technique okay so being mindful as an adult is an important piece yeah. so um one of the ways i actually have been implementing mindfulness is by unplugging at like the coffee shop so when i you know i'm waiting for my coffee at pizza in the morning i try to like not be on my phone i try to not listen to music i just sit there and like listen to the steamer and listen to the people chatting and it's really interesting like the conversations you'll pick up on and um it's just another way to be connected to the community around you. Another thing is that I find really such a blessing is that I get to walk to school most mornings because my husband and I carpool now and just being able to walk and I've noticed like so many little plants that are like so fascinating to me and it's just being part of mindful seeing I think Mm -hmm. and just being in that present moment and by the time I get to work I feel so refreshed and I'm ready to start the day Mm -hmm. and I can greet the kids refreshed and what a great thing for for them to have you as a refreshed happy teacher. Totally and and it's been changing the atmosphere of our classroom actually so it's been really awesome to see that. Well it sounds like when you can be very present in the moment and you're not thinking about what you make for dinner, what what am I going to do for circle time yesterday Mm -hmm. when I, you know, these children had this conflict is that going to happen again today it refreshes a little bit mm. how you even are in the classroom yeah, how totally. you can be in the yeah. classroom how what have you seen different in your children being a mindful teacher i've seen a lot of growth in the love and attention that the children have given each other. We just finished our love party project where we celebrated love and how much each, we each love each other. And one of my little, two of my little boys were playing with each other and one was bugging the other. And so the other little boy goes, ah, ah. And the first little boy who was the perpetrator, he says, you know, you can still love people even if you're angry with them. <laughs> and the other little boy said, well, 
I do love you, but you're making me really angry, and I just wish you would stop. Wow. <laughs> and they're four? They're four. Wow. And four, four and five. And it's just nice to see that because um, both of these children have really worked on their self-regulation and impulse control. And so it's really great to hear like that. as the. And I've had these kids since we were two. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a nice little mm-hmm. end view. Yeah. Two years After two years or three years, you know, doing this with them, it's just been so yeah. awesome to see the final awesome yeah. you know, bloom. That's really amazing, Catherine, that story about oh, your kids. Thank so you. Thank yeah. you for sharing yeah. that. Because yeah. um, I know we all want children who will be able to say what they're feeling instead of right. hurting someone mm-hmm. or instead of having a meltdown. Absolutely. That's such a gift to them. What are some of the ways that you've been able to bring mindfulness to your children in the class besides your, you, know, you as teachers being mindful? We do little practices in them at circle time when I'm noticing, for example, that it's been kind of a rough morning, it's been loud, the kids have been fighting a lot over toys. We just take a moment before we do circle time where we either lay down on the floor with a beanie baby on our belly and we listen to the to the bell. And the children really respond really well to that. And you know, some of them giggle a little bit, but it shouldn't be coercive. It, you shouldn't enforce it. But they overall really enjoy it and they really relax. Other things that we do sometimes when we are sitting down at lunch and it's loud and the ch- children talk over each other, we say, oh, listen for a minute. Let's see if we can hear the fan or let's see if we can hear the kids talking outside. So we take little moments throughout mm-hmm. the day when I'm noticing that the kids are a little bit distracted mm-hmm. and just to bring them back to the present moment yeah. and notice the stillness around them. And I think that's that's really helpful. Guiding their self-regulation, I think, yeah. too. It's just, yeah. you know, scaffolding yeah. that. Right. It's a, I was actually thinking that, that this, this is so obviously connected to self-regulation right. and helping the children figure out different ways to self-regulate and this right. is one of those strategies mm-hmm. that they can use so my you were telling us about things that you've done with your two-year-old yeah again as i was saying you know one practice is to listen to the bell so we can do that sitting down where mm-hmm. i have a, a singing bowl and i ring the bell and then i ask them to listen to the sound of the bell until they can't hear anymore and it usually lasts between 30 seconds to 40 seconds and then when they don't hear the sound of the bell they raise their hand that's one thing that we do we can do uh, practicing with the breathing buddy which is you know stuffed animal or mm-hmm. bean bag or whatever you have on their belly and then because when you ask a child to breathe they're going to try to breathe differently and yeah. we, you know I want them to understand that breathing is always with them they don't have to think about it it's always there so when they breathe even if they breathe normally the beanie baby is going up and down on their belly mm-hmm. and I want yeah. them to pay attention to their be- to their beanie baby going up and down on their belly and then establishing a gratitude practice I think is really important at school and at home so that you can spend some time during circle time or when you go home at night with your children before they go to sleep or after dinner and try to encourage them to think about all the things that they're grateful about, you know. Yeah. And they might say, my toys, you know, they probably yeah. will at the beginning, <laughs> my mom and dad. But eventually they might say, you know, the sun because it warms me up. I mean, I've ha- I had a two-year-old say that, and, you yeah. know, I, I'm grateful for the sun because it, it warms my body. So they understand that all this plentiness and abundance that they have in their lives around them. And it goes along with being mindful and in this heartfulness that's really cannot separate you can't separate from mindfulness so another way that we i've brought mindfulness into our classroom too uh, i learned this from one of our staff development days because we have a meditation jar where we it's just uh, water and a little bit of glue and um some glitter, glitter in there mm-hmm. we shake it up and each child gets the chance to shake it and say 
to be present and mindful. I want you to know I'm feeling, and then each child gets to name their feeling. I'm feeling energetic, or I'm feeling tickly, or I'm feeling happy or nervous. And then when they shake it and they put it down and we all take a deep breath together and then it's the next friend's turn and it just kind of centers us it just allows us to name our feelings and after the six months that we've been doing this the children have really developed a more broad vocabulary to name their emotions and especially because a lot of them are going on to kindergarten or tk or moving on there's a lot of emotions that Mm -hmm. we're feeling and just this idea that we can hold two emotions at one time and be okay is something that the children are really learning the foundation of now and it seems such a lovely way for them to start to understand the perspectives of other people Mm -hmm. that it's not just about I'm sad today because my mommy is not here but oh you're also not feeling very well today or just oh you're angry today and that can be very interesting for four-year-olds because they are so egocentric children you know until until much later they're they're hard they have a hard time with understanding that other people have different points of view so that sounds like a really lovely way to give them that opportunity one thing that we do too we every morning we acknowledge everyone who is present but also we try to acknowledge people who are not present and if they are sick we send them friendly wishes we put our hands on our heart and we say we we hope that you're well and you will come back soon so again you know acknowledging everybody who's not present so that we feel the sense of community and again decenter ourselves and think about other people too i hope that all of the families that you have in your classrooms are understanding the the depth of this gift really that you're giving to your children helping them develop some mindfulness and some ways of focusing attention and i know that there are probably going to be parents wondering like how else can I do this at home are there any books apps CDs that you guys have used in the past that you've really enjoyed the go noodle website has a section so it's mostly about movements and really fun songs but there's a section for mindfulness and yoga and yoga is very much part of mindfulness you know it you can call it mindful movement if you want so that's one of them on YouTube there's cosmic kids and that is a really great one they have they have thought bubbles Mm. where you can you know pop your thoughts and they have other things. I often do uh, May All Your Troubles Be Bubbles with our bubbles and a bubble wand at school. And so each child gets to send their troubles in. Sometimes we name it or sometimes we just send it from our minds. And everyone gets to pop their bubble. And so that's oh, a that's fun lovely. way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And it's so concrete for the children because they, they yeah. need that concrete aspect. Yeah. yeah. Yes, another one that I really like is called Sitting Still Like a Frog, and the author is Eileen Snell. It's very appropriate for maybe three, four, five-year-olds and older, and it has, it comes with a CD, so you can do the activities with, along with the CD. And there are countless books. You could just do a search on Google, but if you want a list, I can provide a list that we can pass mm-hmm. around yeah. among the schools because. Yeah, uh, and can. there are books for you know age appropriate that are great for twos and others mm-hmm. that are great for five, mm-hmm. and I think it's you know when it when it's brought through a story, I think it's much more fun for the kids. Yeah, yeah. totally. Okay, well, thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. This podcast. Yeah, it's right. fun. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully you guys can look at some of these books, some of these apps about mindfulness and find ways to bring it into your life because it is so important to be very present with children. Children live only in the present. They don't live a whole lot in the past or in the future. And if we as adults can help them with that and help ourselves, it can only be beneficial for everyone. Thank you for thank listening. You. Thank you. And please subscribe to our podcast and we will see you next time.